Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got friend of the show, Ed Spears from Eaton, and we're going to continue our discussion on uh, UPS and backup power, but we're going to talk about the uh, smaller side of the scale this time. Isn't that right, Ed? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex, and uh, I'm glad to be here. appreciate you having me on again. And that's right. Uh, in our previous discussion, we uh, talked about modular UPS systems and the whole pay-as-you-row architecture, and that is certainly true uh, in our product lines and some of our competitors uh, up above 500 kilowatts. But the reality is the value proposition is sometimes even more attractive in the mid-range sizes from, let's say, along about 10 or 12 kilowatts up to about uh, 150 or 200 kW. These are uh, the types of UPSs where the client is likely to be needing to not over-deploy or over-provision. They want to start with just what they need and have the ability to grow if and when they need the extra capacity. Well, and I think that's an important topic, especially now, because a lot of people think of things like the maker movement and this big, small, entrepreneurial manufacturing movement to be kind of a flash-in-the-pan thing, but I think we're going to see a lot more small and intermediate-sized manufacturing and uh, service centers, which also involve backup power, because even if all you have is a call center, if it shuts down, you're out of business. There's a lot of small and intermediate business now that actually needs that kind of support. What do you have for them? It's it's really becoming quite important. I agree for uh, for manufacturing process control, things like semiconductor fabrication, or just where I've got a bunch of uh, you know PLC controllers that I need to make sure keep working all the time. Uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing comes to mind. The other place where these uh, small to mid-sized UPSs really shine is in uh, computer network closets. You know, it's one thing to keep the data center up and running. It's another thing entirely, and every bit is important to. Make Make sure that that data center can communicate over the internet and with all the other outside users. So there's just a lot of applications for this, and, and we, as a manufacturer of this type of equipment, are always looking for new and different uh, uh, applications. And so, as you say, manufacturing uh, and light industrial applications are one of the things we want to grow our uh, our business as much as possible in that direction. Well, now, and Ed, there, there are two aspects that I really want to get into and talk to you about. And the first is power quality. Yeah. Now, how much is power quality an issue with some of these small guys? I mean, if I'm in a warehouse in the Bronx somewhere, uh, granted, New York's got great power, but sometimes it's not that great on a block-to-block basis. That's right. A lot of problems happen, uh, quite frankly, uh, inside the uh, the building or inside the uh, the manufacturing or warehouse location. In fact, statistics show that about 60% of power problems are in no way the fault of the utility company or even the utility company's distribution network. Something goes on inside the building. Maybe you have a welder in there uh, doing some welding in the shop, or you have a radio station in the building uh, or in the building next door that's radiating a lot of electrical uh, noise, and those kind of things can disturb the power, but it all boils back down to what's the user's application and is it in fact critical? In other words, does it need uninterrupted power? And 
maybe not just power, might need uninterrupted cooling and uninterrupted uh, clean water, for example. Depends on what they're building. Uh, we mentioned semiconductor fabrication and pharmaceuticals, and they do strictly require stable power uh, all the time, 24-7, 365, along with uh, the need for clean air and clean water. So uh, the reality is, as cool as your manufacturing facility may be in terms of what it can do and the latest high-tech capabilities and, and uh, manufacturing techniques, none of it works without power. Uh, in some cases, all that means is I need a generator out in the backyard, but the generator takes time to start and stabilize, and if that's a problem, if I can't bridge that gap with some sort of UPS product, then uh, it uh, has very limited uh, uh, usage uh, in that case. So the UPS system functions to, first of all, bridge the gap on a power failure while the generator starts up out in the backyard and stabilizes, and then once the generator's up and running, that output of that generator is going to be somewhat variable and the UPS is necessary to continue to operate to keep that output clean. In other words, if the voltage and frequency from the genset varies, the UPS will correct that and send stable power always to whatever devices or whatever makes up the critical enterprise that we're supporting. Well, so it goes way beyond power quality than it. That, that's right, and you know a lot of folks think of this. Well, it's just a battery uh, backup box, and and that's certainly true. But the reality is, most of the benefit from a UPS system comes from the consistent day in and day out power quality and stabilizing that uh, that a UPS provides. Excellent. And now the other thing that I want to t touch base on is the whole communications aspect. How close are we to having those systems part of the Internet of Things? Well, very close, in fact, and, and I can tell you that a large fraction of our client base uh, is uh, not necessarily experts in power, and they're not really interested above and beyond. They need the UPS to help them provide clean power. But what really uh, you know, floats their boat, so to speak, is uh, when they ask questions like, can your UPS communicate in my network? I've got an elaborate set of monitoring and metering and management and trend analysis and all these things that I already do, and what I don't want to do is have the UPS vendor say, sorry, you have to use our proprietary software or our proprietary networking or some sort of restrictive mode. The, the UPS system, like a lot of the things in the building, needs to be very open and very flexible in how it communicates, and it needs to be able to provide a lot of good information, including, if at all possible, predictive information that warns in advance if something is trending in the wrong direction or something is nearing a failure point. So the client gets advance notice. Well, and that's, that's another uh, benefit of being connected like that is the ability to have soft failure or planned damages or, in other words, disaster recovery that is active and preemptive as opposed to just reactive and uh, follow-on. That's, that's exactly right. We encourage all of our customers to have a, quote, plan B when something goes wrong, and plan B works a lot better if they get a little bit of advance notice. Um, so uh, what we make sure that we do is monitor points, for example, within our UPS and uh, keep track of things like temperature, fan speed, humidity, uh, voltage and uh, current variations on the input of the UPS, the status of the UPS's battery and its capacity, all of those things help a whole lot if we can give the customer even a few minutes to a few hours of, of advanced warning that says this is something that's going to need attention uh, possibly quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, 
Ed, um, are there specific model theories for those app spaces, or is it just putting together other parts from various families within the Eaton offering? Well, generally, we break up our product line by uh, KVA capacity. So uh, all of these would be modular UPSs, but uh, we start as small as uh, 3 KVA, and we go up to multiple megawatts. But uh, we have a, uh, a rack mount equipment rack style uh, machine that covers the range from about uh, 5KW to 60KW. And then we have another modular machine, a little bit larger here, kind of the middle range that starts at about 20KW and goes all the way up to uh, 200. 100 kW and can be stretched further than that by paralleling UPSs, but they're all based on small building blocks. So what you would call a single UPS box, box is actually a bunch of little UPSs inside, and it makes it very easy for the client to implement, for example, N plus 1 redundancy. Traditionally, you would do that by buying two separate UPSs and two separate battery systems and two separate maintenance contracts just for the redundancy, and that's an awfully expensive way to go if mm -hmm. I can build that into a single box. Got it. Yeah, I agree with you completely there, Ed. And um, so that, that's a very positive uh, aspect to highlight is that you get the redundancy without the literal redundancy. Yeah, without doubling your upfront cost, you can, you can deploy a redundant system without having to buy the extra batteries and the extra UPS and the switchgear to tie it all together. It really makes a very attractive uh, package that improves their availability of whatever they're trying to do in their manufacturing facility or data center or whatever without investing so heavily in power infrastructure. Got it, got it. Well, hey, Ed. As always, we could keep talking about this, but this is a podcast, so we do are on a time limit. But before I let you go, as you know, I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word on my show. So it could be a little bit more about the product family, something about the company, or just a tip for our audience, but the floor is yours. Well, I would uh, close by just uh, reminding everyone that one good way to summarize all this is to think about total cost of ownership or TCO. Obviously, you want the cost of this kind of equipment to be optimized on day one. You want the ability to pay as you grow and only as you grow, but you also have things like uh, uh, efficiency benefits by having a more efficient machine, uh, uh, service costs. You want to think about those over a 10 to 15 year service life of this equipment. Battery life, space costs, how big is this box? How much am I floor spaces are going to take up, and then the cost to keep it cool. All of those five things fall under the operational expenses, which are also a part of TCO, and we have more and more clients who are looking at the broad range of the full lifetime of these products and saying, which one is the better deal, which one gives me a better return on investment, and we think we excel at that uh, above and beyond uh, most other options. Well, very cool, Ed. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm Power is, number one, critical, obviously, and it's sexy again, which is also beautiful because it's become such an important space that everyone has to pay attention to it now. It's no longer something they could ignore and sh shove off into a corner. So it's really important to understand what options exist. So I'm really glad you had an opportunity to come on the show and uh, talk to our audience about that. Well, I was very glad for the opportunity. Thank you very much, Alex. Oh, the pleasure is mine, Ed. And I want to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day.